Welcome to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. My name's Rick Samprin. In this edition of the podcast, the main federal party leaders went at it again Thursday night in the last debate before the September 20th election. Who won? Who lost? The Ticat 7U anthem singer, She's Awesome, and She's Also 7. We huddle up and talk Ticats versus Argos and a look back at the 9-11 terror attacks with former Global National anchor Kevin Newman. The Good Morning Hamilton podcast starts now. Serving up a healthy dose of news, traffic, and engaging opinion. This is Good Morning Hamilton with Rick Zamperin on 900 CHML. Some fireworks at last night's English language leaders debate as the main party rivals took jabs at each other including at one point where Liberal leader Justin Trudeau and Conservative leader Aaron O'Toole were going back and forth about uh, the housing affordability issue. The housing Mr. crisis O'Toole's plan on housing gives half a billion dollars on breaks to the wealthiest that's, that's landlords and Mr. for building new The houses. housing crisis has gotten worse under Mr. Trudeau, and months ago he fought against us trying to take foreign non-resident money out of our housing market. They also chatted about Indigenous reconciliation, climate change, foreign policy, the pandemic, all the hot topics last night at the English Leaders' Debate. Here to break it down is Liam Midzane-Goban, Assistant Professor of Political Science at Brock University. Good morning, Liam. Good morning, Rick. It's great to be with you. Uh, Great to have you on board so early in the morning, so we really appreciate you making some time at this hour of the day. Um, (laughs) Your your big takeaways from last night's debate, what what stuck with you? I think what really stuck with me were a couple of things. The first, the format didn't really offer the leaders a lot of an opportunity to uh, talk back and forth. Um, There were some open debate times, and there were some two-person debates and some three-person debates, but the moderators were pretty quick to make sure that uh, it didn't get out of control. Um, that was kind of nice. Sometimes these things can get way out of hand and we don't really actually learn anything. Um, but I think what was a bit disappointing was that the leaders last night weren't really able to make much of it. Um, it became pretty clear that um, all of the non-liberal parties um, were really focused on trying to take down Justin Trudeau and go at his record. And that's especially the case for the Greens and the NDP, who are trying to draw some support from, from the Liberal um, voters. Yeah, and, and so, yeah, sorry, I, I, go I was, ahead. I was just going to say, regarding the format, I thought it was terrible. It was it was <laughs> too quick. There was not enough time for the leaders to go, you know, deep on issues. I understand they need structure at these events, but there were too few sparring moments. Yeah, that made it really difficult. One of the things that I actually really liked about it was that I think the moderators did a really good job of holding the candidates' feet to the fire with the questions. Um, That said, you use those questions to be able to get at discussions, and it was the discussions that were really lacking last night. Did anyone in particular impress you in terms of their relatability, their likability, their attack mode, their defense mode? Who, Who was the star of the show? I've got to say, honestly, I thought that Annemie Paul um, leading the Greens did quite a good job last night. Uh, Part of the problem with the Greens has been that they've just been mired in internal problems leading up to the election and then through the election itself. And so Paul hasn't really had a chance to introduce herself to the country. This was her chance, and she did a really, really good job of remaining personable. Um, So I I thought she had a really strong performance that way, actually. For uh, Liberal leader Justin Trudeau, he was, uh, again, and no different from the French language debate, taking most of the hits. How do you think he defended last night? He was visibly frustrated and irritated at multiple times. 
And I mean, look, if I was standing on a national debate stage, taking shots from a variety of other leaders, I probably would be frustrated as well. But that doesn't mean that that's who you want in government. And part of the problem last night was that he let that frustration really get him away from making a case for Canadians. Not only that he's done a good job, but that he actually knows what he wants to do in government. And that that wasn't really clear. And that, I think, was a bit of a problem for him. Uh, Mr. O'Toole, the uh, leader of the Conservative Party, um, one of his main goals is to continue to introduce himself to Canadians because he hasn't been a lo- uh, around for a while. How do you think he's done, not only in the debate last night, but throughout this campaign and in you know welcoming himself to Canadians and sharing his party's policies? I think it's been a pretty striking performance. Um, I think most people will remember in 2019 when Andrew Scheer was painted as a major concern by the Liberals. And Aaron O'Toole's so far been able to avoid that despite um, the Liberals' best shots in the last week, especially. And, and O'Toole is really um, starting to, to be seen as somebody who is not scary in the way that uh, Andrew Scheer was actually painted as being quite scary. And so if his purpose is to come across as likable enough, I think he's doing a pretty good job. If his purpose is to make clear what a conservative government would or wouldn't do, I think there's a lot of room for improvement there. And in terms of NDP leader Jagmeet Singh, he's certainly, and and polls have shown this, uh, a very likable individual, but has he done enough to maybe convince people to change their vote and and win some more seats in the House of Commons? It's really hard to know. Um, Part of what the NDP's strategy clearly has been is to point to Justin Trudeau's failings and say that they'll actually do better. That is fine insofar as it goes, and you're absolutely right that Singh himself is really quite popular, but he had a lot of opportunities and was kind of spoon-fed a lot of opportunities last night to really make it clear how he would ensure the next government does do better. And he didn't take that opportunity. And I was really looking for him to articulate some of what was in his platform um, and some, and you know, talk about how he was going to implement what's in his platform. And he didn't really do that in a way that was understandable for a lot of Canadians. Liam, really appreciate the time and um, good luck analyzing and dissecting the rest of this campaign. Should be interesting. Yeah, thanks so much, Rick. It was great to talk to you. Likewise, Liam Midzane Goban is an assistant professor of political science at Brock University, breaking down last night's leaders' debate. This is Good Morning Hamilton with Rick Zamperin on 900 CHML. Pleased to be joined by a couple of very special guests. We have Priya Mishra and her daughter Pranayska Mishra joining us here on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Uh, How are you two ladies? I'm good. We are very good and excited to be here. So Priya is uh, the mom of Pranayska. Pranayska is only seven years of age, correct? Yeah, she just turned seven in July end. Well, she uh, had an amazing debut as the national anthem singer on Labor Day as the Hamilton Tiger Cats hosted the Toronto Argonauts on Monday. And listen, I was standing in the uh, press box at Tim Hortons Field and we were looking around thinking, who is this person? She's amazing. <laughs> so that's amazing. Yeah, very Thank much so. So Pranayska, we'll start with you. How did you become an anthem singer? So I first started my first, um, my first achievement was singing the U.S. National Anthem for the NBA team Washington Wizards. Then I sang for Miami Marlins and... Um, so I'll just and- add into this. So starting this year, she was uh, invited by Washington Wizards NBA team to sing for the uh, U.S. National Anthem for them. And uh, 
that was her first achievement. And from there, she was invited after within a month from LA Lakers, that is another NBA team. Mm -hmm. And uh, followed by that, uh, also in um, March, she was also invited by MLB Miami Marlins. She sang for them as well. So that's how her journey started uh, singing the US national anthem. And uh, after that, um, she also won the contest of by city of Surrey, BC uh, for the O Canada and uh, and followed by that she was invited by Doug Ford uh, to sing for the, him in the caucus meeting recently, you know, two months back. So that's how her journey started. Wow. So how Priya, how was your daughter discovered? Was she on YouTube? Did she just start singing in public? Like how, how did how did people figure out that she could sing? So uh, she, uh, she, like when she was born and uh, like eight months, she was having a flair of music. But we always thought that, you know, the kids are this age, they like music and songs and all. But uh, her first singing was like she watched the movie Mona and she was humming around and we are like, uh, okay, uh, it seems like she's liking the songs and all. And gradually she started picking up. (laughs) And I remember that at at the age of five years, uh, it was a community event and uh, And she, yeah. So Um, she wanted to sing into the unknown by Frozen. And I was like, you know, do you do you think you can sing in front of 200 uh, people? I don't (laughs) think so. So she was literally upset because she wanted to perform in that community event. So I was like, okay, after a few months, there will be another one. If you really want, just, you know, I will not going to help you out. Just go and practice yourself. Mm -hmm. And that was her first uh, stage show, uh, you know, and uh, it was also in the Hamilton uh, and it was a community event for us. And she sang in front of 200 people. That was her first and she was not even scared. And I was in fact, you know, sitting in the audience and I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I don't know if she will pull it up through or not. And she really did amazing. And really we got like, you know, uh, very much appreciation from everybody. And that's how we were like, okay, she's into serious. I think being parents, we need to be serious into her. If she's serious, let's give it a try. Wow. Amazing. Uh, Praniska, when you were singing on Labor Day, how did it feel? I felt like I felt fine. And also I very felt like very, very excited. And also I liked the snowbirds and also the fireworks. That was my two favorite parts. Yeah. Of the national anthem. That was uh, that. Yeah, that was an amazing performance. And Priya, will she be singing in any more Tie Cats games or any more big yes, sporting she, events? Yes, she she has been uh, she has been uh, hired for this entire season. Nice. So so next week uh, we'll again hear her on Tie Cats uh, on seventeenth of September again. That's amazing. Pranayska, do you have a favorite song? Yes, my yeah. fa- my favorite song is by Lady Gaga, "Shallow." Awesome. Well, uh, do you want to sing maybe like a couple of notes? Can, can we play a karaoke at the back if you want? <laughs> yeah, sure. Home. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah. All right. Tell me something more. I just tried to feel that world. Or do you need more? And did I keep it so hard I fall in In all the good times I find myself wanting For change And in the bad times I see myself 
that that was absolutely tremendous. <laughs> thank you. Wow. Praniska and Priya, thank you very much for the time today. Uh, we can't wait to see you and hear you again at the next Cats game. Uh, good luck the rest of the way, and thanks for joining us this morning. Thank you thank once you. again. Thank you so much. Thank you. Priya and Praniska Mishra, wow, what a pair, uh, especially the seven-year-old. I mean, what a set of pipes. And uh, no word of a lie. I mean, she starts singing the anthem on Labor Day, and we knew she was seven because she was introduced as, you know, seven-year-old Praniska Mishra. And, uh, we're, uh, you know, I'm standing in the in the press box at Tim Hortons Field, and, you know, Steve Milton's on one side of me, Dan Rowell from the Canadian Press on the other, you know, a host of other people in in the press box, and she starts into it. And we're literally looking at each other thinking, holy moly, this kid can sing. And obviously, you know, singing at an NBA game, an MLB game, now a CFL game, and now officially the uh, anthem singer for the remainder of the season for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. And, uh, well, good honor. Because uh, she's she's going places with, with those set of pipes, that's for sure. Uh, speaking of the Tiger Cats, they will take on the Argonauts again tonight. After they beat the Boatman 32-19 on Labor Day in a game that uh, put them into a virtual uh, sole possession of top spot in the East Division. I say virtual because both teams are 2-2, two and two, but because of the tiebreak, Hamilton has that leg up. Um, tonight's rematch, uh, my guess it's going to be maybe not as testy as Monday. I think Monday was the tone setter. And the rematch, especially, I think, from the Argos' perspective, and we'll chat with uh, Mike Hogan, the longtime play-by-play announcer of the Argos, uh, later on in our next hour. Um, I think the Argos are going to come out wanting to win the game, but not as, let's just say, vicious. They took three unnecessary roughness penalties in the first half on Monday, and then there was a 15-yard face mask penalty as well. So the Argos came in hot. They got burned by the, I think, more talented Ticats, and Hamilton walked away with the two points. Uh, the Ticats, however, are a little shorthanded tonight. No Brandon Banks on the field. Yeah, he suffered a rib injury uh, it's kind of been nagging throughout the season, and he took a big hit in the Labor Day Classic, um, nearly catching a touchdown in doing so, but he was absolutely laid out. Uh, finished the rest of the game, which was great to see, but obviously too sore to continue. We already know that Jeremiah Masoli is out for the Ticats with sore ribs, but Hamilton trying to keep their momentum going. They've won two in a row, looking to make it three tonight at BMO Field. Our pregame show on CHML will begin at 6.30. Kickoff is at 7.30. And as always, after the game, you can keep it right here on CHML for the fifth quarter as we will dissect what happens between the lines. Wake up with the information you need to get the most out of your day. You're listening to Good Morning Hamilton with Rick Zamperin on 900 CHML. Special day tomorrow. It is the 20th, can you believe it, 20th anniversary of 9-11. Number one is in staff and our five is in staff. Roy Green is going to have a special one hour um, dedicated to this uh, anniversary tomorrow. Of course, the anniversary is tomorrow. Uh, being 9-11, and Roy is going, I'm going to be on a show uh, at around 4.20 tomorrow afternoon, reminiscing about uh, our experience in New York City on the one-year anniversary of 9-11. Roy hosted a couple of shows 
on uh, a year later uh, at the studios of WOR, and I was his content producer at the time. And um, what an experience that was. The uh, the drive down to New York City was about, I don't know, eight, eight and a half, nine hours. Um, just being at ground zero, and still to this day, you know, the hair sticks up in the back of my neck thinking about what I saw and what Roy and I experienced that evening. And I remember the cab ride to ground zero. Like, we get to our hotel, we unload all our stuff, and the first thing we say to each other is, we got to go down there. We, we got to see what everyone is looking at in terms of what's left of the Twin Towers. And so we hop into the cab and uh, we say, well, we want to go to ground zero. And the cab driver says, I can't take you right there. And we asked why. And he said, I just can't go back. So he dropped us off a couple of blocks away because he, as a New Yorker, just could not bring himself to go back to that site. And I say site because it was really a massive canyon of debris, of bulldozers, front-end loaders, dump trucks, um, dozens and dozens of people sifting through that debris. And on that same evening, it was early evening, I think, uh, Roy and I went to, and it was not too far away from Ground Zero, it was actually right across the street, St. Paul's Chapel. And this was really the epicenter of uh, the memorial to those who were in the Twin Towers. And there were photos and flowers and teddy bears and messages of love and an eerie silence. And we're talking lower Manhattan, which is a, 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 you know, the word bustling comes to mind, noisy, uh, chaotic at times. But this evening, and, and many days, certainly after 9-11, even a year later, it was very quiet. And I, even to this day, recall some of the images, the photos, the mementos that were left by family members, loved ones who had lost loved ones on 9-11, something I will never, ever forget. Also visited two Iconic landmarks in New York City on the one-year anniversary of Roy and I's visit to New York City on, on 9-11. Uh, one being the Empire State Building. And, you know, when in New York, I mean, you got to go, right? And Roy kept warning me, that, listen, hey, this is the, the one-year anniversary. Something may happen. Do you really want to go up there? Like, it could be a target. And I, mean, and I was kind of feeling the same thing. And I thought, listen, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. So up I went, went to the viewing deck, and it was a spectacular sight, and I'm glad I did it. Uh, the next night, uh, I went to Yankee Stadium. They had a doubleheader. They played the Baltimore Orioles, and um, they had an afternoon game, which I didn't go to, but I did go to the evening game, and I remember the Yankees winning 3-1, to one, where Rule Mondesi hit a home run to left field uh, to give the Yankees the win. But the national anthem before the game, chilling, God bless America during the seventh inning stretch. I'll never forget it. I had the, the, the biggest lump in my throat because people around me were crying, um, knowing what had gone on a year ago. Very emotional scene uh, in New York City at that time. Uh, and it'll be again tomorrow on uh, what will be the 20th 
anniversary. Hard to believe that all that time has passed. How about some news and opinion to go with your coffee? This is Good Morning Hamilton with Rick Zamperin on 900 CHML. Breaks one tackle, gets through the yep. middle, he's over midfield, Touchdown. into the 40, 35, <laughs> 30, 20, Frankie Williams, touchdown, Tiger Cats! Oh, yeah. RJ Broadhead and Luke Tasker right here on CHML uh, just a few days ago as the Tiger Cats beat up on the Argos 32-19 in the 50th edition of the Labor Day Classic between those two teams. Uh, Hamilton now leads the all-time matchup 38-13-1. and so It's been rather lopsided on Labor Day between these two contestants. Tonight, the pregame show here on CHML begins at 6.30, kickoff at 7.30, and after the game, uh, stick with us here on CHML for the fifth quarter. We'll take your calls, your emails, your tweets, your Facebook Live messages. By the way, we're on Facebook Live. This morning, it's GMH Facebook Fridays, as uh, you can hop on board our Facebook page and uh, comment and uh, Uh, Wish uh, everyone else in the community a happy Friday. Uh, Certainly the Argos are licking their wounds after being beaten by the Ticats so handily at Tim Hortons Field on Monday. So Toronto looking for some revenge tonight at BMO Fields. Pleased to be joined by Mike Hogan, Argos play-by-play announcer on TSN 1050 in Toronto. Hoagie, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Hamilton. Ticats suck. Did I get those right? Uh, I think it's Argos suck. I think that's the proper pronunciation. I, I, I think I've misheard that before. Okay, How so I, I'm good. How are you? Oh, I'm good. I'm great. You're gonna have a long one today, huh? Well, you know that's that's the nature of the business. Um, <laughs> speaking of a long one, it's been a long week for these two teams because there's not much rest for these two teams. It's almost like the old days. A couple of games in a few days. Yeah, it's, you know, luckily it's the same team. I mean, in terms of coaching, and it's not like you have to go out. It would be, it would be really tough if. You know, both teams were playing a team that they they hadn't played before because they've got film, they've got uh, you know the, a week's preparation for the same team before, and I guess a long week uh, before uh, Labor Day, and, and you know now they don't have to learn about a new team. So mentally, I think it'll be okay. Physically, though, man, those linemen they're going to pay the price. We we've seen how uh, physically these two teams like to play one another. And, that was evident again on Monday, and you know there are a few guys who are going to be out of the lineup today that were in the lineup on Monday because of the physical nature of Monday's game. One of those guys is Tiger Cats all-star receiver and reigning most outstanding player Brandon Banks. He's out with uh, rib injuries. How happy are the Argos that they don't have to deal with Speedy B? It's, it's, it's weird to say with Speedy B, but you know Hamilton's without its leading rusher from Monday. <laughs> Uh, because they tried, uh, I'm not going to call it a gadget play, but they tried that jet sweep several times, and uh, he ended up more rushing yards than anybody else uh, on the tie cast. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, when you look at, at Hamilton, it's a team that's built for big plays. Um, and, you know, there were two categories. You know, statistically, it was pretty even on Monday, but the, the, the tie cats won the two most important categories aside from the scoreboard. Uh, they won the turnover battle 3 nothing, and, and I thought the big biggest the category aside from that obvious one was big plays, and the Ticats won that three nothing with the uh, with the white touchdown, the fifty seven yarder, the the Williams return, and the uh, the Simone touchdown. Those are the three biggest plays of the game, and Hamilton had all three. So uh, the Argos have to come up with a couple of those tonight somehow, and they have to somehow limit uh, the Ticats. But what the guy who's made the most big plays for Hamilton over the last decade. Uh, is out of the lineup. I, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing for the double blue. 
We're chatting with Mike Hogan, Argos play-by-play announcer on TSN 1050 in Toronto. You're listening to Good Morning Hamilton here on 900 CHML. You mentioned big plays. There were a lot of big penalties as well on Labor Day, many of them taken by the Argos. Three unnecessary roughness penalties in the first half alone. Has that been a focal point for this team as they get ready for tonight? I know the coach has addressed it, and uh, that said, he addressed it before Monday. Um, Tycats did something they do very well. That's bait other teams into taking bad penalties, and you know the Argos have to smarten up. You know, just, uh, there were just a couple of really bad ones, uh, very very late after the whistle, and they paid for it. And you know, uh, one of them took them out of a potential touchdown situation where it would have been third and less than a yard, and you blink, and all of a sudden it's because it was a post-play foul, um, it's third and 16. Field goal instead of potential touchdown. So, you know, those are the ones that kill you. Uh, when the when the two teams are so good defensively, that points are at a premium, and I expect the same kind of thing tonight where, you know, I know CFL bettors have made some pretty good money this year betting the under, and uh, that might be not too bad a play tonight. Uh, in, in, you know, just because I expect it to be another physical game, maybe the uh, you know the tight, maybe the score was when you look. How do I say? When you look at the, the overall statistics of the game, aside from those two categories that I talked about, you know the Argos won the time of possession. They had more yards. They had considerably more passing yards, uh, and lost the football game. So if they clean those two up, I think that you see a lower scoring game tonight. But you know Hamilton's really good at what they do. There was a lot of discussion on whether or not Nick Arbuckle will get the start tonight. He is uh, listed as the starter for Toronto. Good decision by head coach Ryan Dinwiddie? Well, as he said uh, when he announced his starting quarterback a couple of days ago, and uh, I think it's a fair assessment, he said, I'm not, putting, I'm not making Nick a scapegoat uh, in this game because, you know, if, if there was a unit that probably looked at the game film and went, ooh, that wasn't good, it would probably be the offensive line. So uh, with, with Arbuckle, I think that... Uh, for him, uh, there were a lot of times where he just, you know, would look up and he'd see a sea of black. So it's hard to to really assess a quarterback's play on just how poorly the offensive line uh, played on Monday. So that's if, if there's one area aside from big plays, you know, if there's one positional group that's got to have a better day uh, today than it had on Monday, it would certainly be the offensive line. Mike, appreciate the time. Enjoy the game tonight and have a good call. Have a good nap today, partner. Thank you very much. Mike Hogan, Argos play-by-play announcer on TSN 1050 in Toronto. Tonight on CHML, the pregame show begins at 6.30s. The Ticats and the Argonauts duke it out. Kickoff is at 7.30 after the game. Keep it right here on CHML as we will launch into the fifth quarter and analyze what happens tonight. Serving up a healthy dose of news, traffic, and engaging opinion. This is Good Morning Hamilton with Rick Zamperin on 900 CHML. Arbuckle again, backpedaling to the goal line. Oh, it's picked up by Simone Lawrence, (laughs) and it's into the end zone. Defensive touchdown, Simone Lawrence. Oh, that was great to see, wasn't it? Sim getting into the end zone, a pick six, uh, probably the easiest one of his career. I think the second one of his career from three yards out. Can't get easier than that. R.J. Broadhead and Luke Tasker, the voices you just heard. You will hear them again tonight as it's Ticats, Argos, the Labor Day rematch at BMO Field as those two teams tussle for sole possession of first place in the CFL's 
East Division. We're not only broadcasting live here on CHML on Good Morning Hamilton, we're also live on CHML's Facebook page. So if you're out and about or at work already or getting ready for work or getting the kids ready for school, hop on CHML's Facebook page and join us on GMH Facebook Fridays. Pleased to be joined, and I, I don't recall the last time I spoke to Coach Sal on air. It's probably oof, a long time ago, but we say good morning to Coach John Salavanis. Sal, how are you? Hey, good morning, Rick. I'm fine. Long time no chat, at least on air. We saw each other for the first time in a long time on Labor Day. It was great to see you. You look fantastic. The Ticats also look fantastic on Monday. How do you think they're going to look tonight, given the quick turnarounds from Monday's game? Well, you know, I thought Hoagie summed it up uh, very well when he spoke with you just a little while ago. He talked about penalties and O-line and, and turnovers uh, against Toronto that they have to clean up now. On the Hamilton side, you know, I, I think Hamilton has to expect them to change their defense. You know, they tried playing coverage on uh, second and long, uh, and it didn't work for them. So I expect them to bring in some kind of a pressure package uh, tonight against the, uh, the Hamilton offense. From a game plan perspective, because these two games are so close together on, on the calendar, do you expect the Ticats to change their attack plan? No, I, I don't think they have to change. I think the offense for Hamilton, uh, the biggest thing will be their first down production. Uh, that'll be very important. They have to stay out of that second and long. And, and Tommy Condell, the OC for Hamilton, uh, he'll need to mix that run and pass on first down to uh, – to get to that uh, six and seven yards that he needs. You know, if they're caught in second and long, I think they need to see uh, if Toronto's going to substitute a D lineman for an extra D back, which they did uh, in Hamilton on Monday. Uh, you know, if that sub is in, then you expect a 30 defense. That's uh, three down linemen and two linebackers. Uh, now, if they go to that package, uh, which they showed in Hamilton. I expect to see Condell run the inside uh, with Earl and, and uh, get him out of that. Now, second to that, if they go to the pressure defense, which means they don't substitute that D lineman, then you expect Toronto's going to rush one more guy than Hamilton can block. So uh, they have to watch out for uh, the substitution, I think, tonight after first down. Yeah, if that happens, there could be some big play opportunities. However, we won't see any big plays tonight from Ticats receiver Brandon Banks. He's dealing with a rib injury and will not play tonight. How big of a loss is that for Hamilton? Well, you know, obviously it's a huge loss because Banks has been such an important part of their offense, running the jet sweep and then taking the top, as we say, off the defense, meaning he can run right through uh, the, uh, the secondary but at the same time, you know, I think uh, they're uh, pretty good shape with White and White, the two uh, slot backs that will be inserted in this ball game, along with Ackland. You know, and I, and I think with that package, uh, they'll still be able to run the deep routes that they want. Uh, what they have to be very cautious of, I think, in this game, is, is trying too hard to get the deep ball uh, on Toronto. I think the underneath and the middle of the field is going to be open, and uh, I expect to see Ackland uh, uh, make a lot of 
catches over that middle. Yeah, I agree with you there. We're chatting with longtime offensive line coach with the Tiger Cats, John Salavanis, uh, now on uh, the Tiger Cats Audio Network, helping in a pregame and postgame and uh, halftime capacity, and doing a great job on air with uh, Tiger Cats coverage. What have you seen from quarterback Dane Evans? He's two and zero. He's played two solid back-to-back games. What do you think of his uh, progress from last season to this season and grabbing that starting job right now? Well, you know, I think uh, Nane Evans obviously was prepared to uh, take that role, and it's unfortunate that that uh, it had to be by uh, injury that he got it. But now that it's his, it, it's going to be very interesting as the season progresses to see if uh, if he can maintain the level of play that he's shown uh, thus far. I think he, he's a great quarterback potential. I think he's a good quarterback right now. Uh, Monday's Labor Day game was really chippy, and so much so the Argos really, I think, stunted a lot of their offensive and defensive opportunities by taking three unnecessary roughness penalties in the first half. Do you expect tonight's game to be as chippy? Does one team want to be more of an aggressor than the other? I I don't think so. I I think uh, Toronto should learn their lesson that you can't win the ballgames if you're going to give up field position uh, based on a, a stupid penalty, so I don't, I don't think it'll be that kind of a game. I do think it'll be a very physical game, Rick. I, I think they'll. Uh, it, it remains to be seen, really, if if the uh, Toronto O line can stand up to the pressure uh, of the uh, front four for Hamilton. But I, I don't expect to see the chippiness that we saw on Monday. I would agree with you. I think both teams are going to try to come out uh, aggressive, but not over the line. Should be a fun affair to watch and, of course, listen to here on CHML. Coach Sal, thanks for the time and enjoy the game tonight. Uh, Thank you, Rick. Great talking to you again. Likewise. Coach Sal, John Salavanis joining us here on Good Morning Hamilton. Long time and uh, former, obviously, uh, offensive line coach with the Tiger Cats. Spent uh, many great years on the sidelines, in particular with Al Bruno and winning a Grey Cup uh, back in the day, so to speak. Uh, three other games on tap. It's a pretty busy weekend, but it's all tonight, and I should say all tomorrow as well. There's only one game tonight, and that's Ticats and Argos. Tomorrow it's a triple header in the Canadian Football League. Saskatchewan is in Winnipeg in the Banjo Bowl. That's the rematch of their Labor Day Classic. Uh, Calgary is going to be in Edmonton to take on the Elks. Edmonton winning that Labor Day game. And the late game tomorrow has Ottawa in BC as those two teams try to rev up um, a few more W's in the win column. This is Good Morning Hamilton with Rick Zamperin on 900 CHML. Tomorrow, certainly a, uh, a somber anniversary. It's the 20th anniversary of 9 11. Tuesday, 9.47 a.m. Hi, baby. I'm, baby, you have to listen to me carefully. I'm on a plane that's been hijacked. I'm on the plane. I'm calling from the plane. I want to tell you I love you. Please tell my children that I love them very much. And I'm so sorry, babe. I hope to be able to see your face again, baby. I love you. Bye. That was uh, 20 years ago. Tomorrow, still, uh, you know, spine tingling, uh, audio, visuals, and uh, memories uh, that will, you know, be with us for the rest of our lives. Uh, One man who was broadcasting live on that day, and it certainly was a challenge to do so. Uh, was Kevin Newman, uh, founding anchor Global National, and now the owner of Newman Media Limited, and he joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Kevin, good morning. Good morning, Rick. You were on the desk, 9-11. Uh, do you remember that day? Of course you do. 
Yeah, no, I think I think everybody remembers that day, and boy, was um, was that ever a chilling uh, um, uh, quote that you just played there? Yeah, no, we had been uh, only on the air for six days uh, as a new national newscast when uh, when nine eleven happened, and so we were sort of forged by that event. Um, we went for sixteen hours. I had just moved from New York City. I was working at the time uh, for ABC News, and I had just left. New York uh, City to move to Vancouver to start up Global National, and then suddenly the city that was my home for a decade had this terrible, terrible tragedy. And, uh, you know, I, I, I used to commute through the Twin Towers, so I understood just um, how busy that was. I knew that there was, for instance, a CIBC office on the floor. I knew there were three levels of, of, um, of stores underneath it, and it was, it was uh, a day that even, you know, I still get that chill up my spine every time I hear about it. Was there a moment, a sight, a sound, something, a report that really sticks with you? Yeah, it was, uh, it was a terrible one. Um, we were looking at the Twin Towers, and this was early in the morning. Uh, if you remember, it was like 10 o'clock probably. And, and we saw live uh, people jumping. And um, after that, we never showed it again. But that was happening all morning long. People who were desperate, they couldn't get up, they couldn't get down. Um, they thought the only thing they could do because they were panicked was to go out. And there were a lot of those situations that people never saw. We, we, once we realized what we were showing, we, we stopped it. And that was unbelievable. I'd never imagined that anything like that could ever happen. Yeah, that was certainly a sight to see and something that we never want to see again. But it was also a day that it wasn't just one singular event. There was Lower Manhattan, there was the Pentagon, Flight 93, and so much other talk about possible attacks. It was just a chaotic scene, and throughout it, you were very calm on the desk. <laughs> well, that's how I, how I appeared. But, but you're right. I mean, you have to go back to remember just how crazy that was. That, like, no one had ever driven a jetliner into a building before. And once that became possible, anything seemed like it could become possible. So there was a time, and people forget about this, but there was a Korean Airlines jumbo jet that was flying over um, uh, Yukon, and it wasn't answering to the hail. So Canada scrambled some of its uh, CF-18 jets to escort it to try to get some sort of information. There was a real fear that that jetliner had also been hijacked, that it was part of something, and it was heading towards Vancouver. And I remember talking about that, saying we're watching it, we don't know what the intent is. And it turned out um, the Prime Minister at the time, Jean Chrétien, had to make a decision about whether or not to shoot it out of the sky if it continued to not answer. Turned out it was just a radio problem, but it could have been so much worse if those orders had been uh, carried out because we couldn't make contact with the jet. There was so much fear in the continent that day. Uh, without a doubt. Kevin, I wish we had more time, but we're plumb out of it. Uh, congrats on celebrating 20 years with Global National. There's going to be a special on tonight on Global, 10 o'clock Eastern Time, called Disruption, 20 Years of Global National. You'll be prominently featured, and rightfully so. Kevin, appreciate the time. Enjoy the rest of the day. Thank you, Rick. Kevin Newman, founding anchor, Global National, owner of Newman Media, and uh, you can check him out online. And yes, tonight's Disruption, 20 Years of Global National, 10 p.m. Eastern. You can stream it live and on demand with Stack TV, also on the Global TV app, and you can also watch it online at globalnews.ca slash globalnational. Serving up a healthy dose of news, traffic, and engaging opinion. This is Good Morning Hamilton with Rick Zamperin on 900 CHML.
The Good Morning Hamilton podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free, so you never miss an episode. And make sure you rate and review.